This is the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. We hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. As you realize your potential, you will join a dynamic group of passionate people who are actively bringing the unstoppable power of heaven into the darkest places on earth. Here is your host, Justin Self. Today, I am starting a brand new series. I'm really excited about this one. This has been something I have been dreaming about for a really long time and kind of preparing my heart for to speak on this subject and to teach on this subject. This is called Physics of Faith. How cool is that? For those of you who know me, I, uh, I love physics. I love the natural realm. I love science. I love all that stuff. And you may have seen it in some of the blogs and, and, and certain things that I've written in times past where I really, I really love the integration between the physics of the natural realm and science and mathematics and you know how, how that blends with God's word. Because ultimately God is everything, right? He has designed everything. He's built everything. Mathematics and science and physics and all these wonderful things, chemistry, they're all our way of understanding how God did stuff. Like we call it chemistry. We call it H2O and all this, but it's just us taking what we can see out of God's creation and putting a name to it. And we're like, oh, wow, this is cool. This is what we see in nature. And we're calling it this stuff. And we're like, oh, we're figuring it all out. It's science. It's so cool. But really, it's it's us kind of like stumbling our way through God's creation. And I just think it's beautiful and wonderful. And so, you know, when people are Christians, especially, you're like, oh, well, you know, we don't, we don't respect science. We don't talk about science. Science is wrong. I totally don't agree with that. I believe that science is amazing and awesome. And true science is 100% in line with God's word. I, absolutely. I believe that 100% with all my heart. True science is in complete agreement with God's word. Now, a lot of the stuff that we see that's being called science isn't necessarily true science. And, and we'll talk about that more later. But what, what I want to encourage you with this series is my point is really to demystify, you know, some of the things that we call the supernatural ways of God. You know, maybe we we talk about salvation or healing or prayer and it sounds so spiritual and out there and, oh yeah, it's just this, you know, we put it in this box over here of like spiritual stuff and we kind of separate that from the natural realm. And I've, over the years, I've come to understand there's not as much of a separation as we think. You know, God's word flows according to certain laws and principles. And we're going to see that in the scriptures today. We're going to see that God has set things up a certain way. And he is definitely very involved in how things play out. But at the same time, he has set up a system. He is the God of order, not of chaos. Look at the stars, look at the, if you know anything about astronomy and you look at these laws of motion and, you know, these, these planetary motion uh, systems, they are exact. They're perfect. They're amazing. These things you can predict, you know, this is why you see on the news, oh, there's going to be a blood moon, you know, <laughs> from this time to this time. And they, they give it, you know, to you down to the second. It's because these laws and these principles of astronomy and the physical matter and these, um, these mo- laws of motion are precise and you, we can predict them. We can count on them, right? We can count on there being a lunar eclipse on such and such a day at such and such a time. We can count on there being a meteor shower at this time. We can count on there being a conjunction between Saturn and, and Jupiter, you know, on certain times of the day and all this stuff. Solar eclipse is going to happen exactly right here. So, I mean, I'm fascinated with, with those types of physical, natural 
things, you know, with the stars and with the heavens. But notice that they all follow physical laws. They follow equations. They follow very ordered and elementary systems. Now, I'm not saying that they're not complex because they are extremely complex, but they follow a system. And we have figured out over the years, you know, how to tap into these things. It's the same with the law, uh, laws that govern electricity and gravity, right? I mean, if you've ever flown on an airplane, you know, you're, you're, pra- you're probably praising God that we have airplanes, right? Like, man, I am. I mean, we can do things today that we could never have done hundreds and hundreds. I mean, even just a hundred years ago, we're doing crazy things with airplanes. And it's awesome because it's really allowing the word of God to, to proliferate the globe like we've never seen before because of technology, electricity, all these wonderful things that we have advances in science. And so I'm just praising God for it. But think about it this way. Gravity has been around since the beginning, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's been there. But it wasn't until fairly recently that we have discovered and the laws that that govern, you know, fi- uh, the the laws that govern gravity and how to flow according to those laws. Here's an example, right? If you've ever been up on the roof of your house or something or high up in a tree, right? You know that if you jump out of that thing, you're probably going to get hurt because you're going to jump out and you're going to fall because you've learned as ever since being a little baby when you're trying to crawl, you've learned that the law of gravity works. You've learned that there are laws that always, 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 always work. Now, airplanes are no different. We know the law of gravity works. We know the, these systems you know, work according to the way God created them. And so with airplanes, for instance, we have learned how to flow with those laws. Airplane designers didn't go out and say, well, let's just figure out an anti-gravity system, right? Well, maybe they did in the beginning, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, hey, how can we get around this thing? But we don't know. We don't know how to do that yet, right? We don't know understand anti-gravity. It doesn't, we're not getting it. Uh, we're not figuring that out quite yet, you know, like we see in the movies. And so what they said was, well, we can't change the law of gravity. So let's just learn how to flow according to those principles. Let's use that to our advantage. And so then they make diagrams and then you say, well, I'm always going to have gravity pulling us down. So how do we work according to it? How do we develop lift? How do we develop thrust? How do we overcome drag? How do we do these things? And so what they've done is they've designed airplanes such that uh, they take into account gravity. And you're flying along, you're flying along, you're flying along. And as soon as that engine shuts off, gravity is still there. It's always going to be there. Okay. And you're going to start dropping like a rock. And man, you better start getting those engines going, man. You better get lift going or else you're going down for a crash landing, right? If your engines go out. It's the same thing with the word of God. I want to encourage you that God's word is 100% true. It's there. His promises are there 100% of the time. But we need to learn, instead of trying to change those promises or try to make them work according to our belief system, we need to learn how to cooperate according to the way that God designed it. And the Bible is so full of this type of example. So I want to show you how you can regularly see Bible results, how you can expect to see the supernatural, how you can walk in the supernatural. Let me just start out by saying, I don't, you know, I'm not saying that I have it all figured out, but I am saying that I've been walking in this for 10 plus years. And I know that might not sound like a lot to some of you, but I want to encourage you. I mean, I've seen some amazing things. And my encouragement is that if you're not seeing the supernatural on a regular basis, if you're not walking in faith, if you're not walking in the supernatural and you're wondering, you know, how do I, how do I do this? How do I walk in health and wholeness? And how do I get my finances in order? And how do I hear from God? I encourage you to listen to what I'm saying. Again, I'm not saying I've got it all figured out and, you know, talk to me in another 10 years and I'm going to, I'm going to have a lot more revelation then because I've been walking with God. But I do want to say to you, Hey, if what you're doing isn't working, at least listen to what I'm saying, because I've seen results 
and I'm not trying to brag or boast or you know talk about how great I am. I'm talking about how good God is. And I'm saying, saying here, he has shown me some things from the scripture and I'm always going to be bringing it back to the scripture. Now, if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know, that is my number one goal is to bring you back to the scripture. Honestly, somebody asked me, you know, what's the goal of the podcast? And, you know, do you want to you know, have it go around the world or, you know, see a million people, that's that and the other. And, and yeah, of course, I, I want, I want this to reach everybody, right? I want, I want that to happen. That'd be cool. But really my goal is that when you're done listening to this, you walk away from this podcast and get into your Bible. And you're, you walk away from this thing having a renewed passion for reading the Bible, for, for receiving from God for yourself. See, I want to start out by saying everything that I say here, all this stuff, it's, it's, it's going to be encouraging, I hope. You know, it's going to bless you, I hope. It's going to take you to a higher level. But if you try to live off my revelation or my stories, it ain't going to work for you. You've got to get into the word of God for yourself. And so I'm going to go through some scriptures. I want you to write them down. I want you to bookmark them, highlight them in your, in your Bible and, and get into this stuff yourself. You can receive from God directly when you get into the word of God. Uh, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by praying. That's one of the laws. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to tell you right now, you need to quit asking God for more faith. That's not scripturally how it works. Faith doesn't come by prayer. Faith doesn't come by asking for it. Faith doesn't come by, by, by believing for it. Faith doesn't come by wishing for it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. This is one of those laws. We need to learn how to cooperate according to these laws. If I try to take some physics equations and if I said, I don't like E equals MC squared. I don't like that. I'm going to make it some other way. Well, guess what? It's not going to work another way. E equals MC squared works, right? That's... Uh, one of Einstein's equations uh, that govern relativity and, and all these things that we know in physics, they work. Now, again, I'm, saying, I'm not saying that physics is 100% perfect, that our understanding of these things are perfect, but I'm using them as an analogy. Again, the reason we see airplanes fly today, the reason we have computers, the reason this microphone I'm talking on works right now is because people have figured out the laws that govern electricity and other things, you know, quantum, even quantum mechanics, to create technology that we can use. And again, our understanding isn't perfect, but it works, right? And so I am going to be using a lot of analogies to the physical realm. So buckle up, okay, get ready. Here we go. So I want to start out by saying that there is a difference between conditional and absolute promises, okay? This is very, very important. This is why I'm starting with this topic, conditional versus absolute promises. And here's an example. Uh, just recently I told Caleb, Hey Caleb, you know, we can, would you like to get ice cream today or something, you know, or he asked me, Hey, can we get ice cream today? Yeah. Okay. He's my six year old son. I said, yeah, we can, we can do that. We can get ice cream today. Now the rule in our house, although I admit I don't, I don't follow this perfectly. <laughs> the rule in our house is one treat per day, one sweet treat per day. We want to try to teach our kids to manage their bodies well, to respect their bodies. And I'm, and I'm not just going to try to teach them like, Hey, don't eat treats, it's not good for you, you know, and, and leave them wondering. I'm trying to empower our children to, to recognize what's good for their body and what's not good for their body. And so I'll say things like, hey, Caleb, it's fine to have some treats once in a while, you know, but, but let's, let's think about that. What is this really doing for our body? Is this really building us up in our bodies or is this, you know, something that might not be super good for us if we, if we overdo? And so we're really trying to, you know, bring this holistic approach to, to sweets and treats and like, great, it's fun to enjoy, but I want you to understand what we're doing. You know, we can't have ice cream every meal. And so anyway, the rule is one, one per day, right? Okay, so recently, you know, it's one per day and 
you know, we have this plan to go out and get ice cream or something. Well, between now, you know, between the morning and the afternoon when we were going to go, I find him sneak. I mean, he snuck mama's, <laughs> my wife has a secret stash, you know, of chocolates and stuff. So of course Caleb knows where it is, I guess, and climbed up there and, and was eating all the M and M's. He ate all of all of my wife's M and M's, her secret stash. And he's smiling, you know, he's got chocolate all over his face. And and then of course he's asking me, "Can we still go get ice cream?" And I'm saying, "No, <laughs> we're not getting ice cream anymore." You know, the rule is one treat per day, and you just you decided to have your treat by stealing Mama's treats, which we're gonna have to talk to Mom about that later. We're gonna have some explaining to do, and. In this situation, he gets really upset. So he gets really angry, right? And he's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you said, he's, he says, you told me that we would get ice cream today. And I said, yeah, I, I did say that. And he goes, well, you can't break your word. You said it, and so you have to do it. And I said, yeah, yeah I, I appreciate that you trust my word. I mean, that's, that's a godly thing. You know, I want my kid to trust my word. But you don't understand. You didn't, like, you didn't fulfill your end of the bargain, right? Your end of the deal is to be respectful of our of our agreement. The agreement is you eat one treat per day. You don't get M&Ms and then still get to the, get the ice cream. I said, "Sir, you're you know, this is what happened. You didn't fulfill your end of the bargain. Let's try again tomorrow." Okay, we can do it again tomorrow. And for a, a time, he just he just didn't get it. He couldn't understand why when I said something out of my mouth, why we we didn't fulfill it no matter what. And I had to really explain it to him. Say, look, this is a deal that we're making. That this is, and I, I mean, I even use the word conditional, conditional promise. And I'm trying to get this language into him. While at face value, I really appreciate how he holds me to my word. That's a godly thing. I want Caleb. I want my son, my my children. I want them to listen to my word, and I want them to take it to the bank. All right. So that's point number one. I do want them to take my word to the bank, but I also want to teach them how God is. God does that. You can take God's word to the bank, but you got to understand the difference between an absolute and a conditional promise. Me taking Caleb to the ice cream shop was a conditional promise. It was conditional upon our rule. It's also conditional upon his, his actions and his behavior. If he acts out and is, you know, completely out of control, he can lose consequences. You know, he can, there are, there are consequences to his actions. Now I want to show you how this, how this, how God is, is similar in, in some of these areas. It's not a perfect analogy. Okay. But keep it in mind. Now, listen to this. This is out of Psalm chapter 89 and verse 34. Psalm 89, 34. This is God speaking. He says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. So God's not going to break his covenant to us, nor alter the word that has gone out of his lips. This, What this says is that God is faithful to his word. And so at face value, it might seem like, okay, Justin, this What's this absolute and conditional business? Because you're saying that God doesn't break his word. No, uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. He doesn't break his word. Look, my covenant I will not break. God's not going to break his covenant to you, nor will I alter the word that has gone out of his lips. He's not going to break, he's not going to change the word that comes out of his lips. But I want you to notice something. There are conditional promises in the word of God. There are absolute promises in the word of God, but he doesn't break his word. Okay, stay with me here. here here's a conditional promise for you. You've heard this one. I'm going to John chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you notice how that's a conditional promise? Listen to this. I'll read it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, that's the condition, right? 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. So although this is, this is talking about salvation, although God did provide salvation for all men and women, it's only the people who believe, right? Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus talked about more people going through the wide gate that enters destruction and less people going through the narrow gate that leads to life. That's an analogy for literally, there's going to be more people that don't receive him and less people that do receive him. Total bummer. But the truth is, is that if this was an absolute promise, if this was an absolute promise to receive salvation, then none of us would be here, right? God would have just said, I am going to send my son salvation. Everybody's going to get saved. We're good to go. Done, right? That would mean everybody gets saved. We're in the millennium right now. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we're in heaven. Like it's all done, right? This thing's wrapped up. But that's not the case. This is a conditional promise. God provided his son, Jesus Christ. God provided everything on the cross, the cross of Calvary and the blood of Jesus. He provided 100%. He did the work, but it's up to us to receive him. It's up up to us to receive uh, what he did on salvation. And so that is a, that is a, I'm looking for Titus chapter two right now. Turn with me to Titus chapter two. That is an example of a conditional promise that I think everybody can understand. I'm going to go to Titus chapter 2 and and kind of double down on this. So check this out. This is Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. And it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So it's appeared to all men. It's appeared to all of us. That That is an absolute promise. The absolute promise is that salvation is available to everybody. But the conditional part of this is that you don't get that benefit. You don't even receive salvation until you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him as Lord. An example of of an absolute promise would be something like, um, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus coming back to earth, right? The second advent, him coming back to earth. That is an absolute promise. There is nothing you can do about that to change it, right? Whatever you do is not going to make God change his mind that's back to Psalm 89, 34. Not going to make him change his mind and say, well, you know, I guess, I guess America is sinning or I guess someone, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to judge America or something. I'm going to judge this person. And so I'm just going to change my mind. I'm not going to bring Jesus, Jesus back to earth. You know, we're going to do something else. No, that is not going to happen. Here's another example in Isaiah 53. We find, and in so many places in, in the Old Testament, we see promises of God sending a savior, Right? Isaiah chapter 53, listen to this. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, talking about Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Verse four. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Verse six, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So you see, that is an absolute promise. There's nothing in there that says, if my people do this and do that, I will send them a savior, right? This is God's plan for the ages. He, it's an absolute promise that he will send Jesus no matter what you do. Back in Genesis chapter three, when we have the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, 
God promises that he will send a savior to crush Satan's head, basically. Praise God for that. I'm really thankful for that. <laughs> so, so those are absolute promises that you can just take to the bank. And you, you need to learn the difference between the two. Absolute promises are like, okay, this is going to happen no matter what. And conditional promises are, this will happen conditional, you know, this is conditional upon my response. And I want you to understand something. Most of the promises in the scripture, and, in, and certainly the promises that apply to us directly, as far as our relationship with God, those are all conditional promises, right? And, and I know I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, but I really want you to understand the, the very first step in walking in the supernatural and understanding how things flow in the, in the faith realm, in the spiritual realm, according to faith, is that we need to learn how to, the Bible says, rightly divide the word, okay? We need to learn how to divide the word between the conditional promises and the absolute promises. We need to understand when God says something like, I am the Lord who heals thee, that is a absolute definition of his character, but it is not an absolute promise to every single person. Hear me out on this one, okay? It is a, and, and let me back up. The word promise is kind of a difficult one in the English language because when we, like I just mentioned with Caleb, my six-year-old, when, when you think of the word promise, you kind of think of this idea, or at least I think of this idea of this is the way it is. God's promising something. It will happen this way no matter what, Right? That's that's not it, because now we're using this word promise to define something that God is going to do absolutely, like sending Jesus on the cross. That's never going to change. He did, he did that. Also, absolutely, he's going to come back for his saints. He's going to come back and de- destroy Satan and sin forevermore. He's going to rule and reign on earth for a thousand years, right? All this stuff in Revelation. Man, there's nothing you can do about that. Those things are going to happen for sure. So those are absolute promises. And so to me, that's a better definition of the word promise. But when we hear things like, oh, you know, all of God's promises are are in him, yes, and in him, amen. And then you start talking about the promises of healing, promises of financial prosperity, promises of health, promises of life, promises of peace and deliverance and joy and safety. Those are conditional promises. So the word promise is kind of misleading, but I really want you to understand, we've got to understand the difference between the two. All right. So, for instance, uh, let's look at Mark chapter 5. I want to show you an example of conditional promise when it comes to healing. And this is something that I have worked in. Many of you know that I have worked in um, the medical field for many years. And I I had a career in kidney dialysis. And my patients would come and many of them were very sick. Most of them, the ones that I had, I had dealt with, most of them were, were on their way out, uh, passing on, you know, from this life to the next, because my patients were uh, what they call ESRD, end stage renal disease patients. This was stage five. This was the end of the line for most of them. We did have several of them, of course, who got transplants and uh, got new kidneys and moved on with their life. But many of them, many of my patients did die. And so I got to experience several, I mean, several hundred people over the course of my career, maybe, maybe probably just hundreds and hundreds of people who did pass on. And what was interesting is that the majority of the people that I dealt with that were believers believed that God could do healing for them. You know, oh yeah, God's omnipotent. He can do anything, right? But their hangup was, will he do it for me? 
And their answer was was kind of shady on that one. It was kind of a gray area. They didn't really know for sure whether he would do it for them or not. And the reason that they had so much ambivalence upon this was because they didn't have a clear understanding of the difference between absolute promises and conditional promises. You see, many Christians believe, oh, yes, it's it's and even if they believe it's God's will to heal them. And I mean, that is a stretch just to get somebody to believe that, you know, most of religious teaching has taught the church and taught, taught many people in, in, in the church today that it's not even God's will to heal you, or you don't know, flip a coin, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't pray. And if it happens, great. It must've been God's will. If it, if you pray and it doesn't happen, it must've not been God's will. And so let's just assume that you get over all of that. And somebody's reading in the Bible, you know, all these things and they say, wow, I, I see it in the Bible. It's God's will to heal me. Wow. It really is God's will to heal me. And so let's say the person gets even to that point, which is very rare. In my experience, it's been very rare that people even believe that. At that point, they'll even believe that it's God's will to heal them, but they don't really, they don't know how. They don't, they don't know how to receive it. And still there remains a doubt that he will heal them, right? They'll say, yeah, I believe it is God's will. You know, here we see Jesus healing everybody and we don't see Jesus turning down anybody. We see it's, it's God's will to heal people, but I'm not really sure if it's his will to heal me. That is what I'm getting at here. That is the difference between an absolute and a conditional promise. What's the condition here? Well, let's read. This is Mark chapter five. And this is verse 25. And we're going to talk about the the woman who had the issue of blood. I'm going to paraphrase it real quick. And then I'm going to read the scripture. We have this woman who had the flow of blood for 12 years. Okay. So she tried all the stuff in the natural and she went to the physicians. She went to the doctors. She spent all her money. She got worse, but then she did something different. Think about it, guys. For 12 years, you're doing everything you can in the natural to get healed. I mean, this, this woman was bleeding for 12 years. Can you imagine what she looked like? 12 years of bleeding. They didn't have all the things that we have today, you know, the modern technologies to to keep things clean. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, I don't mean to be crude. I'm just saying this is a mess. And after 12 years of this stuff, this lady goes and she wasn't really cooperating with the laws of faith, okay? She was trying everything, she was doing everything, and who know we don't know how her what her belief system was with God and you know if she even believed it was God God's will or any of that kind of stuff. And so I'm not trying to come down on anybody for going to the doctor here. That's fine. Praise God for doctors, okay? I'm not going there. But I want you to notice something. At some point in the story, 12 years into this woman's story of being sick, she realizes something. She has an encounter where she realizes how to flow according to the laws of the spiritual realm. Check this out. Let's see if you can notice when she does that. Okay, so verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and she was no better, but rather grew worse. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Verse 28. For she said, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Let me stop there for a moment. This is so cool. In verse 27, look at the shift that happens. It says, when she heard about Jesus, friends, I'm telling you that is where it needs to happen. When you hear about Jesus, remember what I said earlier? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear about Jesus, this is that Greek word isn't just letting the, the words come in your ear and, and go out the other ear. This is like hearing with an understanding. 
when you're hearing the word of God preached, when you're hearing about Jesus, when you're hearing that healing is for you today or salvation is here for you today or peace, freedom from anxiety, freedom from demonic oppression, what did the blood of, Christ, of Jesus do for me? When you hear it with an understanding and you receive it, something shifts. Listen to this. She started flowing according to the laws of faith. Listen, when she heard about Jesus, she came before him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So this lady is not sitting around hearing Jesus. So she hears about Jesus. Okay, there's this guy healing everybody. She doesn't sit around and say, oh, wow, it is God's will to heal. So I'm just going to sit here and expect to be healed, right? Or something like this is the crazy part, guys. She heard that it was God's will to heal because she heard about Jesus, the son of God, the Messiah going around and doing these wonderful things. Once she heard that, she took a step of faith. This is the conditional part. She engaged with the plan of God. I want you to understand that, and this, this you got to be, you got to be careful with this because some people think that, you know, we're preaching uh, workspace, you know, oh, you're going to work your way up to faith. You're going to twist God's arm. No, 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 no. We are not twisting God's arm. We cannot twist God's arm. What I'm saying is that we connect with and we start to flow and to cooperate with the laws that govern faith. Just like when we, as physicists and engineers and, and you know, explorers and astronomers, we discover about our world and then we start to build technology and we start to engage with the way that things run. Again, electricity has been around forever. <laughs> the, the laws that govern electricity have been around since Adam and Eve, but you notice that they didn't have cell phones. Why didn't they have cell phones? Oh, what have we done with cell phones? We haven't created anything new. We've just taken the elements of the earth that God already provided and our knowledge of physics and how these things go together. And we've developed manufacturing techniques to just put the natural elements of the earth together in just the right order to get everything flowing properly. Adam and Eve could have, been, could have had iPhones. They had all the natural resources to, to, have, to make iPhones. I know I'm stretching this a bit because they didn't have the manufacturing process. But what I'm saying is that the natural materials were there and it could have happened. They could have, you know, put it all together and figured it out. What I'm saying is that the natural resources for electricity and for all these things were there in the beginning. Why are we doing it now? Why do we see these things now? It's because we've learned something. We've learned how electricity works. And so I'm saying with, with faith and with the physics behind faith, if we learn how the equations work, how the, how the laws that govern these things work, we can step into them. Now, I hear somebody thinking right now, oh, you're just reducing God's word to a formula. God's, God's word is more than just a formula. It's a relationship and you can't just reduce God to an equation. Well, I, I agree with you partially, okay? I agree with you partially, not all the way. Because while I agree 100% that we can't reduce our relationship with God to a formula, like a you know, they call it a plug and chug formula. You know, you just put, put the numbers in there and press the button and out comes the answer. That's not how it works with God. There, there's a, definitely a relational aspect. And in fact, fruitfulness in, any, in any, any area of our walk with God comes from a place of intimacy with him. For instance, when I've learned what I'm preaching to you right now about healing specifically or cooperating according to the laws of faith, I've learned these all through relationship. I didn't learn this through study, just studying the Bible with my brain. I learned this through spending time with the Holy Spirit. I learned this through practice, through, Lord, am I doing this right? Like, Lord, what does this mean when you're talking about this woman with the issue of blood? Like, Holy Spirit, show me what this means. And so at, at the core, this is a relational thing. This is a relationally driven concept that we, we flow according to the laws of faith and physics through relationship, okay? So I will agree with you there. But on the other hand, 
I will point out to you that God is a God of order and not of chaos. The way that God designed things can be described according to the laws of what we call physics. Chemistry, like I mentioned earlier, physics, you know, optics and, and the way that light bounces and travels and rainbows and all these types of things, they can be described very concretely with equations and numbers and values, you know, that's where they come up with these crazy constants. You may have heard the golden ratio, Fibonacci sequence, certain things like that. Those are things that we naturally, we actually find in nature occurring over and over and over and over again in all these different arenas, but they're the same. And we're like, whoa, this is crazy. So God is a God of order. He's the one who actually puts his fingerprint on those things. So this is something about God's nature. While he is a spontaneous, loving, kind of right brain, you know, personality God of relationship and, and passion and fire, at the same time, he's very left-brained and very ordered and very logical and very uh, structured. And so what I'm saying is you can take his word to the bank. You can take these laws and you can apply them in your life and they will work for you. So let's, let's go back to the word of God. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Okay, so what, what physical law, what law of faith is she using right now? Well, she's using the law of faith that talks about speaking. When you speak something out with your words, it will become reality. Now, hold on. Don't, don't turn me off yet. I know a lot of you just thought, oh no, he's one of these. Name it and claim it. Here we go. Here's the name it and claim it guy. Stick with me here. Stick with me. I want to show you something. Let's go back to Genesis chapter one. How did God create everything? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? How did he create things? Verse three, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. I'm going to skip up to verse six in Genesis chapter one. Then God said, let there be a firmament, right? Verse nine, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. Verse 11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, right? Verse 14, then God said, let there be lights. I'm showing you that God created what we see in the, in, in the earth right now. He created these things through words. So there's tremendous power available through our words. Why are words, Justin? I thought that was God. You're talking about God. Well, we're made in the image of God, aren't we? We are made in the image of God, right? Praise God. He's given us his nature. He's given us who we are. We are in the image of God so we can speak things out. This is a classic scripture that many of you have heard before. And I want to be really careful how I say this because I don't want you to, uh, I, just, I don't want you to get turned off by what, what has been called the name it and claim it group, you know, but I want you to understand something. L just listen to me, read the scripture and think about the power of our words and think about what this woman was doing with the issue of blood and think about how she, how she tapped into something that God had created, like a physics equation or, you know, wow, this is the way that God does things. Listen to this. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. This is Jesus and his disciples. They're walking along and they see a fig tree that the day before Jesus had cursed. He used his words. He said, let no one ever eat fruit of you ever again. He, and that's, that's for another teaching why, why he cursed the fig tree. But suffice to say that Jesus curses this fig tree. He speaks to it. All, all he did was use his words. And then they kept walking, right? Next day they come back. Here we go. 
Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Let's pause for a second. Just think about this. Let's not get too religious, right? Let's not get too hyper-spiritual and like just read over this and say, oh, that was just the Bible. Can you imagine walking with Jesus and he just curses this fig tree? Number one, you're probably like, dude, why? (laughs) It's just a fig tree. What did it do to you, right? And then you go into Jerusalem. He does his thing, come back. Next morning, you're walking by that fig tree and man, that thing is dried up from the roots. Have you ever done this? Have you ever spoken to a tree with your words and seen it the next day dried up from the roots, withered away? This is incredible. This is pretty cool. And so Peter is just blown away by this. (laughs) Verse 22, this is Mark chapter 11. So Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. The Greek says, have the faith of God. So this is one of the keys here, guys. Have the faith of God. Jesus continues, for assuredly, I say unto you, whoever says unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This is a fundamental law of faith, a fundamental law of the physics of faith. This is like the E equals MC squared of the spiritual realm. What you say, the words that come out of your mouth carry power. Let me say it again. The words that you say, the things that come out of your mouth contain creative power. We're made in the image of God. God created everything with words, okay? Not everything. He created man with his hands. But in fact, fact, he actually created the earth with his hands too, okay? I want you to understand that he created though in Genesis chapter one, many of those things that he created, he created through words, okay? And oh man, if you want to talk to me sometime about it, We could talk about string theory and (laughs) all this really fun stuff about, you know, vibrational modes of these microscopic, you know, strings that are, are, could possibly be there. Nobody knows if they're there, you know, and all this stuff. But I just want to point out one thing. If you do know anything about string theory, this is kind of exciting to me. I'm not saying I, I'm not saying that this is the way it is necessarily, but I will say this. How cool is it that one possible theory that they have of everything involves vibrating strings that when they change their vibrational mode, that gives rise to the physical matter that we see and we call elements now. How interesting would it be if that were the case? If God created everything such that they all basically were vibrations of his voice, right? Like how cool would that be? I'm not saying that's the way it is. I'm just saying for those of you who are are total nerds and know what I'm talking about, interesting, right? Now we do know that everything does have vibrational frequencies and modes. And for instance, you may have heard of in America, we have the, in Washington state where I'm from, this bridge called the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. And years ago, a wind blew through this canyon. And because of the design of the bridge, most engineers in America have been taught this. You know, this is a textbook example of what not to do as an engineer, right? They designed this bridge and they did the spacing of of the pylons such that if the wind were to just blow with just the right amount of force and just from the right direction, (laughs) this thing would start vibrating according to one of its fundamental frequencies which means it's going to vibrate at a very regular rhythm. And what happens is when this thing started, this actually happened in real life. The wind came and man, this thing started vibrating. And you can look it up online, the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Man, solid concrete is waving and wiggling and it looks like the waves on a sea. 
it looks like water and it's, it's concrete just flowing up and down and up and down and left and right. And man, you got people getting their cars off this bridge because man, this thing just vibrated itself completely off and it, it literally tore itself apart. That's the power of, of vibrational frequency. And I want you to understand something. This is how God does things. He See, he designed everything about these, these vibrational frequencies and these modes. And it's up to us to cooperate with the laws of physics to make a bridge right. Right? Those engineers, they, they didn't take that into account. And sure enough, look what happened. Now, God's word is the same way. We can flow according to the laws and the principles that he's put forth, or we cannot flow according to them. We can ignore them. We can try to do it our own way. We can listen to religious teaching that isn't grounded in the scripture. I want to encourage you right now. What are you listening to? Oh, well, you're listening to a podcast right now. Praise God. I'm glad you are. <laughs> and it's my job, like I said earlier, to get you into the word of God. I don't want to be preaching just analogy or, you know, something else out there. I want everything that you're listening to, to be straight from the scripture. I want your faith to be in the scripture. But the church that you're going to, is your pastor preaching the scripture? The YouTube videos and those other teachings that you're listening to and watching, are they preaching scripture? I want to encourage you when you're listening to somebody, they better be preaching scripture and not something way out there. That's why I know I'm saying some of these things that might be offensive or might be challenging to you, but I want you to look into the Bible yourself to see it. All right, here we go. We're going to get back to the story. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. This woman with the issue of blood had discovered one of the keys to operating in the power of faith right? She had discovered one of these equations. She's like, man, if I say it with my mouth. Now, the Greek tense here, by the way, when it says, for she said, if you look into the Greek, it's not, she just said at one time, right? Oh, you know, one day on a Tuesday, she just said, hmm, hey, if I touch his clothes, I'll be made well. You know, goes out and gets touched, you know, touches his clothes and she's healed. No, no, no. The Greek tense says, would be, would be better translated for she said, and then she said, and she said, and she kept saying, and she kept saying, and she kept saying over and over and over again, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. It's almost like she was like psyching herself up, right? Because <laughs> in this culture, for, for her to go out in an unclean state was extremely dangerous. It was not okay. It would have caused public shame and possibly even death for her to go out and be exposed that she had this unclean condition and she was going to go out into a crowd. Not okay. So she's, it's almost like she, I could just see her like psyching herself up. You know, she's saying it, she's saying it, she's saying it. But see, she had revelation. She heard about Jesus. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So she heard about Jesus and she's like, this guy, this could be my ticket. You know, this is God, God on earth wanting to heal me. This is awesome. And so she goes out and she touches his clothes. And look at this, verse 29. Here's the result. Here's the result, guys. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. I mean, this is results. You can't argue with these results. Verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? I want you to notice something. A lot of times we sit around and we think that for, for someone to be healed, you know, Jesus has to, you know, sovereignly or God has to sovereignly like reach his hand down out of heaven or something like he's like, he's not willing to do it or something until you beg hard enough or you work hard enough or whatever. I had a, I'm sad to say this, but I had a, one of my patients one time was a very devout Catholic. And again, nothing wrong with Catholics. I, I have Catholic friends. I love Catholics. Praise God. There's, there's plenty of believers, you know, Catholics, but of course there, there is a lot of religion and religious teaching and not all of it is based on scripture. But this particular woman, 
<laughs> we were talking about about healing actually, and I was telling her that Jesus provided healing on the cross, and it's like, man, let's. I can teach you, like I can teach you the word of God and we can believe God together and we can, you know, I can show her the scriptures and she can, she can get healed. And she just looked at me and she says, well, I, I I'm going to get healed. I'm like, oh, awesome. Cool. And she goes, yeah, I'm, I'm giving money to, to such and such a, a fund. And I said, oh, okay. And she says, yeah, if I give enough and God is my witness. She says, if I give enough money to Saint so-and-so, you know, one of the, one of the saints, then, then I believe I'll be healed. And I said, oh, Really, you know, we started talking about it. But this woman really, I mean, believed with all her heart that she could physically pay money. She could pay enough. If she paid enough money to Saint so-and-so, then God would reach down and heal her of her disease. I'm here to tell you, friends, that that's not the way it is. There's nothing in scripture about that. That is not the way God does things. His nature is to heal us. His nature is to do these things. And, and again, he's provided healing. Again, we're kind of highlighting on healing right now. He's provided all these things on the cross for us, but it's a conditional promise. Are we going to learn how to flow according to these laws? And this isn't, I don't want to make it sound like this is some impossible hurdle that you have to jump through, right? It's not like, oh, you have to check all the boxes. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are you not, are you sick today? Right? We're talking about healing. Are you sick today? Find out what God's word says about healing. Read these scriptures, meditate on this scripture in Mark chapter five about this woman with the issue of blood. This is how, Again, I, I haven't extracted all the revelation that there is in this by any means. And there's a hundred other you know, Bible teachers right now that you could listen to that'll, that'll have way more on this than I do. People that I'm learning from, people that I look up to. And yet just meditating on these scriptures will bring faith. Meditate on the scriptures. The word meditate literally means uh, in the biblical sense to speak over and over again, to mutter, you know, to mutter it with your mouth. So I encourage you to mutter, mutter these things, (laughs) you know, go around muttering. Don't look like a crazy person, you know, but mutter these things, speak it out. So this is what she did. There is a difference between conditional promises and absolute promises. And I really want to hammer home as an introduction to the series that there are things that we can do to engage with the process. It doesn't mean that we're twisting God's arm. It doesn't mean that we're making things happen. But if we read the word of God and we receive the word of God, the way that he intended it to, we just take it at face value. We can learn some things about flowing in the laws of faith, just like electricity, like gravity, like these things I've been talking about, laws of physics. We have learned as a people group to harness these things that were already there. They were already there the whole time, but we're learning how to harness them and use them to our advantage. God's word has always been there. He's not going to break his promise. Remember Psalm eighty nine thirty four: my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that's gone forth out of my lips. God's not going to change his word. You start believing him for healing and standing on a scripture, right? Like what we just read out of Mark chapter five, you can get healed off meditating that story of that woman. I guarantee you there's somebody out there listening right now. You are, this is resonating with you and you're saying, how do I do it? I want to be healed. I've tried everything. I'm telling you, the word of God has got the power you need. It's through meditating the word. It's through taking the word of God into you, feeding on the word, feed on it like you would food. Meditate, read it over and over again, speak it out, ask the Lord about it, give you know, dialogue about it. You're not going to get healed off a microwave. Do you know what I mean when I say that? You can't just read this story once and say, well, you know, Justin said it, snap my fingers, I, you know. No. Some of these things take time, okay? They take time. You've got to internalize it. You've got to receive the word of God into you, okay? That's the big thing is people think that it's a microwave thing. They think it's like we can snap our fingers and that would be the easy way out. But like I said, 
It's a relational process. Maybe there's things in you that God needs to root out. You've got to spend time with him. Lord, is it really your will to heal me? But I believe this. In his love and his grace, he's going to gently come out, come on you and come around you and say, no, son, no, daughter. That's not what you've heard isn't, isn't really me, you know, this and this and this. And he'll, and he'll correct your thinking. He'll get your thinking more in line with the scripture, with the word of God. And then he'll bring, you know, this life and this power to you. And then you can receive healing that way. Now, I think one of the big things I want to mention is a lot of people, you know, might, they might take this, this teaching and say, well, you know, this is, this is putting all the pressure on you, putting all the responsibility on us, right? And none of it on God. And it takes, you know, some of the sovereignty of God out of the picture. Well, I just want to point out to you that God set forth Jesus for our salvation, right? He did the work. There's nothing I can do to make the salvation better, to change it, to make it worse. I mean, I can't do anything about the blood of Christ. What I can do is receive it, right? I can control my response to what God has already done. And so that's going to lead us into the next, uh, the next podcast is going to be all about living in the balance of grace and faith. Okay, there's a wonderful resource by Andrew Womack. I'm actually going to be using excerpts from that book that he wrote. But there's also, if you go to Andrew Womack, look him up online. He's got a fantastic teaching on the balance of grace and faith. But basically the whole point is that, you know, all faith is, is just our response to what God has already done through grace, right? When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you didn't make Jesus do something, but you just responded to what he already had done, right? It's the same with healing. Same with all this. Man, you could skip the rest of this podcast series and just take that away. If you could grasp that one thing, you don't have to listen to any of this other stuff, you know, just receive what he has in the word of God, receive it by faith, what he has already done. Now I would like you to listen to the rest of this because I think it's going to be good. Get into the word of God. What is it that you need right now? What is it that you're believing God is going to do in your life? Maybe sometime off in the future. And how can you engage your faith? How can you step into these laws that govern faith and that govern the the spiritual realm? How can you tap into those and start flowing according to the way that God did things, right? Just like you might have all the electricity in the world around you, but if you don't start learning how it works and cooperating according to how it flows, instead of trying to change it or wait for it to spontaneously turn into something for you, right? I mean, if I threw a bunch of airplane parts out into a field and I just waited for it spontaneously to combine into an airplane and fly for me, I'd be waiting a long time. Some of you are doing that with God. You're saying, I'm just going to wait until God heals me. I'm just going to wait until God fixes my marriage. I'm just going to wait until God cleans up my finances or cleans up my life. No, you got to understand what God's word says. You got to understand what his promises are and what his grace allows for. And then your job is to step into that, engage with the process receive what he's done. Step into this thing. Lord, what do you want? What's my part in this? It's a two-way street. He did his part. Let's engage with the process. It's not that we're making him do anything. We're engaging with the process and we're engaging with what he's already done. Man, I think that's just awesome. This is, this should free you up. Man, when I started learning this stuff and learning, learning about, you know, that God provided these things, but it was really up to me to walk it out. Not alone. I mean, he's with me the whole time. Praise God for that. I'd be a mess if I didn't have him, you know, walking with me in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But once I learned that it was like, wait a minute, I I have a part to play. Part of it was convicting, right? Where I'm like, oh no, I feel so bad. (laughs) I feel so bad because I've not been doing it. But hey, there's no condemnation. Read read Romans chapter eight. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus. Or excuse me, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, if you're born again, there's no condemnation, okay? 
if you're born again, man, just just get up off the you know, get up off the side of the road and get on this thing. Let's start believing God. Let's start trusting him. Let's start engaging with the process. If you need healing today, get into the word of God, find out what the word of God says about healing and, and engage with it. If you need finances, if your finances are a mess, find out what God's word says about finances. Find out what equations and laws and governing systems he has in place for these types of things. Here's an example, the law of seed time and harvest. There are laws that govern finance, and I encourage you to check out um, one of my several of our, our previous podcasts and blogs about the laws that govern finances. We have several, we have a whole series on it where we talk about that, um, and Jenny and I talk about budgeting and, and sowing seed and those types of practical things. All we're doing is just learning what God's Word says about a subject, and then, and then learning how those laws work and partnering with Him in those things, Okay. So that's my encouragement today is to engage with the word of God. Hope this has blessed you. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to check out our book on Amazon called Face to Face. It's an 18-day devotional of hearing God's voice as his friend. And if you are a partner with the, with the Unstoppable, we're, we're so thankful and grateful for what you do and for being part of the mission. If you're not, please consider, just prayerfully consider it. See what the Holy Spirit has on your heart to give. Go to patreon.com slash unstoppable blog and please consider joining us. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, visit us at unstoppableblog.net. You can also find us on Facebook at Unstoppable Blog. We hope this podcast has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.